Welcome, welcome to Anchored and Devoted by Pastors Jeremy and Joseph. We are children of God. Glad you're here. And we're talking about all the stuff you should know about as a believer in Christ when it comes to the real life. Uh, whether wow, it's a lot of pressure right there on us and them. I'm I'm just making it real. Like that's the goal. <laughs> this isn't this isn't seminary. Um, you might fall asleep. Um, my bad, that's just out there. <laughs> but um, uh, the goal is to wrestle with you know how do we live out of faith and how are we going to be yeah. ready for when Christ returns. Um, yeah, good. Yeah, I know you wanted to get us going on the topic today yeah i wanted to i wanted you and i to talk you know the way the kind of conversation that we have had for the many years we've known each other the question that came out of uh one of our conversations earlier that we recorded um we pushed off till today to answer but the question is basically what are some of the things that have shaped you into the person you are you mentioned that um when you were talking about when you gave your life to Christ, you talked about how your life was, it was a mess. There were, your family life was a mess. Mm -hmm. There are other things you could talk about. Obviously there are things that have had a major impact on shaping us, things we've walked through, mm -hmm. things that um, we have suffered through, mm -hmm. uh, experiences that have elated us. Mm -hmm. But there are, for all of us, there are key moments that I think God uses differently for each of us but to shape us into the people that we are today for good or bad and and we'll continue to as we move forward so i kick it off to you what are um what are some of the seminal moments or seminal experiences in your life that have made pastor dave into now the the man that i i hold in tremendously high regard uh i won't even joke about that i think very highly of you tremendous amount of respect for you oh, you know that i can yeah. say it publicly uh he's getting he's getting pink shut up <laughs> those of you who don't know i have no shade near the pink <laughs> he dread? Oh. Um, uh, things that are moments where they're life-changing um i said one change was a uh, college was huge for me um and I'll just back up a little bit in high school. Um, I played, started playing college. I mean, I started playing football later in life and um, got recruited during basketball season and ended up signing to go to the Naval Academy and went there. Um, uh, it was, I mean, I enjoyed it as much as you enjoy the Naval Academy. Um, yeah. And at the same time, it wasn't, you know, best experience in my life but it is something that grew me a lot it was very much forming and um as many things in our journeys are the the tougher seasons are often ones where we grow the most and so i grew a lot there um i learned a lot as well about people and relationships and my expectations for long-term deep relationships was completely blown out of the water even though we have been through a lot of tough stuff together and so that taught me a lot about um, what connects believers because some of my closest friends at the academy were believers and the, I hate to be this way but I, I am the real ones 
Um, you know, the ones that didn't have to be pushed out of bed because they were clubbing on Saturday or Friday night yeah. through Saturday into the, you know, um, choir loft for Sunday. Um, they weren't, they were the ones who faded away, but the ones who were often the odd ducks and just love God, um, the peculiar people, those are the ones that was able to stay close with and deal with the, you know, the season change of leaving the academy because I didn't want to leave. I planned on graduating. Um, but God made it abundantly clear through the commandant that now was time to go. Um, you know, those um, heart-jarring, head-hurting, soul-shaking moments where you don't know anything but where the sun is in the solar system <laughs> um, are ones that cause you to look at God, to truly look at the sun, as, you know, Jesus, and recognize that none of this other stuff matters, that only the eternal stuff matters. And it made it so that my faith grew stronger because I, I could just trust God. You know, you're going to find me another school. You're going to find an opening. Um, I got denied from Maryland, which made my head spin, leaving the academy with a, a, a very high GPA. And um, I was, you know, I was released on a medical discharge, honorable discharge, hadn't done anything dumb. Um, a food allergy, but the Navy didn't know that at the time and neither did I. And um, uh, the journey of going to Maryland was one where um, it took four no's before I got the yes. And the yes came by a guy who had a wife who had migraine. And that's what I was suffering from. Um, and so he could stamp the paperwork yes and help me figure out the path. And he was a believer. And that's the only time we know each other. And at the same time, I get to look forward to seeing him in heaven and knowing <laughs> this brother that I met um, who looked nothing like me, sounded nothing like me, but was able to connect on a heart level um, through Christ as well as through the sufferings of his wife, um, yeah. just helped me understand, again, God has a path. God has a place. I don't need to worry about even all the um, the energies that I put into the four years um, prior to graduation. I, I don't need to worry about that. God has it. What I see as a loss, he's going to use. And... Um, that that moment taught me a lot as far as friendship to really value the ones that I have and to hold on to them even when people don't call you as often as they should or write you or do the things you'd expect right. from them you make them your friend um, to the point where and, and you were there at my wedding um, one of my friends from the Naval Academy even said it was like Dave's my my friend because he's made himself my friend it isn't as though he had done anything it was just my decision so i chose to love him just as i choose to love you and i think that's something that as believers in christ we have to do with one another is choose to love um and so that really you know um i'll use a christian curse word i got crapped on pretty good there um <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was one of those things where God did make some beautiful roses out of it. And I can look back and say, okay, yeah, I would not recommend that or want it for anyone. Um, but God knows and did know what he was doing much better than I did. Um, it took a long time to get past the hurt, too. 
but it was it's one of those things where you know again the hurt of thinking i've got a family and in the navy from my classmates and then to just see that wasn't true that my family really was in christ and that was what stood up and that was whether they were in the navy or not or whether they were in the church or not those were the ones the real believers were the ones who were able to hold me up and wipe my tears and keep me going and push me on and you know ask me questions about trusting god and not bludgeon me with God's Bible and God's word, but love me with it and help me to um, get up quickly and shake off the dust and keep moving. Um, so that was a, a, a huge moment in my life. Um, how long did it take you to get over that pain? Well, how long was that, that journey for you? Um, as far as the, you know, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, that was probably a good three months. Um, I, mean, I had my Joe moment where I was ready to do some negative things and act in ways that were not appropriate of a child I got. And so it was probably in those three months. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then that uh, um, began to look and reflect on the things that God had brought me through in my childhood and even getting me to the Naval Academy and other stuff so I could kind of release the moment to God, not just running away or dropping it, but hand it off and and hand myself off. So I want you to talk about that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> you were you were let out of the Navy on a medical discharge, mm-hmm. an honorable discharge, mm-hmm. but it it shook you to a place where you had to evaluate who you were on the whole. I mean, most people when they experience something that's clearly not their fault, not of their making. It's not that most of us aren't going to look at our lives and say, well, this is clearly not my fault. So uh, let me do some self-examination. Let me go through some, some deep searching. But that was a part of your journey where you just said it caused you to look back and to evaluate things that happened through your childhood, from as far back as your childhood through to the present. Why was that, do you think? And, and what was that experience like for you? Well, I, I know that God was humbling you. Um, I, I would not say I was a prideful person by any means, um, but I know it was a humbling season uh, because I did have in my mind and in my heart the plan for the future. This was January of graduating year. Um, <laughs> this wasn't my sophomore year or freshman year, even my junior year. This is months before graduation. Like this is the, the you know, the tail end. I'm I've got three or four classes left. And, um, had you already chosen a, uh, a billet? We had not. That was the next okay. thing that was to come in January. And mm-hmm. as we came back from leave, uh, from you know Christmas leave and stuff. And um, this wasn't expected, even though I knew I had been taken up for medical um, before, but it was done through the academic channel, and that didn't work because my academics were fine. Um, right. But I, I just didn't believe that um, what was taking place would affect me before I graduated, even though um, I knew there were some things we had to work through as far as health. I just didn't think that my doctor had promised me he would retire. Like my identity was in people and, and what they were telling me as far as the process. And that meant I was looking four years out because I'm looking at serving for Right. next four years in this capacity and looking where I'm going to live and life and dreaming. And there's a lot of things attached to it. Stuff I really hadn't even thought 
thought of until it was taken away. Um, so. I love that you just said your identity was in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what you're now describing is that in order to change that, God essentially kicked that stool completely out from under you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes. It, I mean, from, you know, wearing the uniform to um, how you were viewed by others to, again, putting my trust in what the doctors are telling me and other people as opposed to, you know, being in, in God and, and to really, truly being in my identity in Christ. So, so I want to ask you a kind of reflective question here. Having gone through that now, looking back in retrospectively, did that, how did that change the way that you were able to trust people? You want your identity was in, you had probably too much trust in people back then and not enough trust in God. So now you have more trust in God, but how did it change your, the way that you trust in people, uh, good or bad? I, I still trust people. I still trust them, but not with, um, not with my future, not with my purpose. Um, I trust people um, with, uh, you know, what God has called them to do. I trust yeah. people with um, his words, and they are to you know, live out the actions they've been called to do. Um, but I'm not expecting them to encourage me, support me, um, even believe in the dream if that is something that God is going to do because um, he can do it. No, I became a missionary right after that. It wasn't too long. Um, I, I became a banker and then realized I could do better for God in my life than be a banker. Nothing wrong with bankers. I'm bashing everybody. Especially bankers. Um, <laughs> um, these are all jobs I've had, so it's fine. Um, and it was a good job. It was just one of those things where um, I wanted to give the biggest bang for the buck on my life because I knew Christ would die for me. And that was a change from when I was at the academy, a huge change. Do you find yourself more or less isolated from other people now as a result of looking to God for these things that are, you know, crucial to your future? Um, No, I I find that actually I'm able to relate better. Um, that I'm able to relax because I'm not looking for someone who is in a bad place to love me or <laughs> to do something for me when I can love them because I've got the giver, the creator, the, <laughs> the institution of love found in God. So yeah. it, at least for me, it's made it so that I'm free and um, I'm not defined or um, stuck with someone else's whatever um it really is more god what are you doing moment by moment and then you know as you choose give me the vision for longer term stuff so that i can move with you but even when it comes to investing stocks i pray (laughs) and tell my wife every day it was like hey i made an order but this is one of those things where i did my due diligence as far as the research the man side right i was like but I can't put my trust in that. God can do whatever he wants. If he wants to start a world war tomorrow, it's not going to do anything for him. Like, but, and on the flip side, if he wants to return tomorrow, again, still, we're going to heaven. Like, the investment time is one where I'm trusting God. It's not, um, 
I've got it. I own it. I know it. No, it's um, my identity is fully wrapped in him uh, to the point of I can now engage with others without having to worry about me. I, I didn't meet you until after that experience in your life. I mm-hmm. met you three years after that or so. Yeah, in the seminary. Yeah. And um, my experience of you is that you've always had the heart of an older brother towards the people around you. It doesn't matter whether or not you were actually older than them. Your heart was always one of protection, of assistance, of of care and guidance. Um, but as I've known you over the past however many years it's been now, 15 years, um, I have seen you respond to a, a series of um, life experiences that have been challenging um, and, and very, very different one from the other. And with each one, I've watched as your, that, that particular part of who you are, your personality, that is a, an older brother towards people. I've watched that continue to be strengthened and deepened. And not that it was weak when I met you. When I met you, it was still very strong. In fact, we are friends today because of what you said. Um, <laughs> Your Naval Academy friend said at your wedding. I, I clearly remember the day that I remember meeting you. We were having lunch. We, you know, I was in the, the cafeteria at the seminary. And uh, you invited me to sit down at your table. And believing that I didn't know you, I do what I always do. I introduced myself and asked your name. And you said to me, I'm Dave. We are friends. Sit down. <laughs> And I said, good enough for me. <laughs> and and to be fair, we had had a class the, the previous semester and had sat next to each other cutting up. And um, in my obliviousness, um, <laughs> I had missed a semester of, of, of opportunity to know you more deeply. You had not. You were watching out for a blind fool. And... Um, my guess, though, going back to what you've been talking about, is that as you have shifted your your foundation, the foundation of trust from the people around you who can make promises, keep their promises, keep their word, to a God who never fails, mm-hmm. my assumption is that that part of you that is a big brother has also been strengthened through this, that you, you would not be able to be the older brother, um, in the older brother role that you are to many people, in the way that you are, to the effectiveness that you are today, if you had in fact graduated from the academy and gone on to, I'm assuming you'd probably be serving in a submarine. Yeah, he's got jokes. <laughs> First you turn turning pink and now you're, you're making me small. Um. D- Dave is six foot six. Uh, I don't think they make submarines. Uh, with that in mind. Oh, mercy. What about yourself? How would you, what, what would, what would, what would you say is, you know, one of the moments in your life where you can say, okay, um, this was a change where God clearly did something, even though I might not have seen it at the moment and I understood it, but definitely, um, God was doing this thing. He was making me more into his image. So it was, it, it's been most of my life. So, um, real quick bio. I have a genetic condition that um, cost me the vision in my right eye when I was uh, 11. 
and has been taking the vision from my left eye since the time I was seven. Um, after I lost the vision in my right eye, uh, like I talked about it in the previous episode, I would go and I would ask for prayer for healing for, for a number of years, from the time I was 11 to probably the time I was 16 or so. The key moment, though, in all of this, um, at that time, was when I clearly heard God say to me an answer to, God, will you heal me? He said to me, no, I yeah. won't. And I said, well, that's a really clear answer. Can you give me a reason? Will you give me a reason? And he said, yeah, I will. Because I gave you, I took away your blindness for your good so that you can see me more clearly. And I'm not going to give you back your vision until you're in heaven. And I, I wrestled with that for a little while. Um, because it's not the answer I expected. It's not the answer I had. I knew it was a possibility, um, but I didn't actually think that God would say no. I thought maybe he'd, you know, give a soft no or a uh, <laughs> yes, but not yet or or something like that. And, and it wasn't. It was a very clear no. Uh, I have taken this from you. This isn't about genetics. This isn't about physicality or biology. This is about me working in your life as a sovereign God, as your Father, to express to you, to demonstrate to you my love and my goodness through this pain that I'm bringing about in your life. That's great, but how do you handle the no? <laughs> like, that's still a no. You want to hear that when they're praying. You're praying for healing, you want healing. Um... Yeah, it's a really good question, right? I heard it from a father who I knew loved me. I knew, even as he said it, I knew that no was the only most loving answer that was possible. If there were a more loving possibility, I would have received that other possibility. And maybe this sounds too fatalistic for some people, um, but the the foundation of my faith is that God doesn't change. His love is beyond understanding. It's beyond description, beyond definition. I can look around at the world he's created and see the expanse and the extent of his creativity, his power. It, it's not for lack of ability that God hasn't healed me. It's not lack of love, because he already gave up his son for me. So if it's not lack of possibility, it's not lack of power, and it's not lack of love, then it must be for a positive reason. And what he's told me is that he's called me to a purpose, and he's working that purpose in me. And going back to talking about suffering, most often he's doing that through suffering. Uh, he didn't tell Moses, yeah, I'll take your stammer away. Um, he didn't tell Paul, yes, I'll take that thorn out of your side. Hmm. He says, my grace is sufficient. And that's what he said to me. And, and he's, yeah, even as he said it, he, what I felt was a very warm and loving embrace as he said it. And 
you know, the immediate application to me, <clears throat> I stopped going up for prayer. <laughs> I mean, I did. Uh, and, and it wasn't because I didn't trust God. If anything, I trusted God more. I would have people come up to me um, and want to pray. And they'd say, hey, I'd like to pray. They, they, you know, they'd, they'd know that I had vision loss. They'd want to come and, and um, stand with me. And I said, listen, I'll accept your prayer, but God's already told me he's not going to heal me. Pray for me if you wish. I'm not going to stop you, but I'm going to tell you, if you're asking me, you don't need to. This has already been answered. And there's not going to be, there's not going to be a change. This isn't a, well, I didn't have enough faith, ask God again. This isn't a keep on knocking. This isn't a Luke 18 thing. This isn't a, you didn't knock hard enough, or you didn't knock lock, lock loud enough or long enough. This is, you knocked, God answered. I knocked, God answered. This is his answer. And it's good. Now, I don't want to belittle the years that happened between then and now because uh, the experiences that I walked through after that, turning 16 and realizing um, in a very embarrassing way that I was not going to be able to attain a driver's license, the reality that comes with not being able to have a driver's license on what it means to be a friend to younger guys or to date or one day to marry, or to go to school. Um, experiencing the impact of continued vision loss. Wondering if I'm ever going to see my wife or my kids, or if I'm going to lose my vision totally before that time. And then getting to certain parts of my life and realizing that there's so much that ha I feel very robbed of these experiences because of the vision that I've lost. Dave and I have talked about our running um, a little bit. Uh, Dave is a runner. I have become a runner. I'm still becoming a runner. Um, it's It really is fantastic. I have a half-mile loop of a street that goes around my entire neighborhood with only one road in or out. That's the only place I can run without assistance. Because if I, number one, I've memorized where the potholes are and where the curbs are and where my, uh, where the speed bumps are and the landmarks marking where the speed bumps are so I don't trip over them. Uh, the cars are always going fairly slow. People know me. I'm a big guy. So they, you know, when you see me, it's pretty obvious that there's something wrong with my eyes. But I can't just go out and take a, take a jog on the street one street over. It's not an option for me. Um... I can't even sit in my front yard and watch my kids play across the street in the grass. I simply can't see them. Which means when I go to a playground or when I go to the beach, as a father, I am largely impotent to provide protection for my family. That, that is one that has been and continues to be really difficult for me to wrestle through. But the answer always comes back to what God originally told me. My grace is sufficient for you. I've done this so that you can see me and that you can know me in a way that you never would have been able to if you had, you know, had all your limbs and all your toes and all your eyesight. And it goes again to this trust thing, which is why I think I picked up on it when you were talking about it. 
whatever it is that we are trusting in, whatever it is that we are resting on for support mm -hmm. that is not God, he jealously looks at that to find a way to kick it out from under us mm -hmm. so that we can fall into his hands and recognize that we are in his hands and that's the best place we can be. Regardless of how nice or how opulent or how comfortable or how successful that other stool may have been, it is only a stool. And he invites us to come sit with him, mm. not on the stool. And, and he's going to do that for each of us. So for, for new believers, um, I want to encourage you as someone who's walked down this road, maybe a little bit longer than some others have, um, who might be listening to this, go to prayer for this. You know, if there are things that you're looking at, go to prayer and ask God, would you show me things that I'm leaning on, that I'm trusting in, that you, uh, that, that maybe are a replacement for trusting in you, whether it's for my current provision or for my future or for relationships or for success or for health. Is there anything that I'm leaning on where I should be leaning on you? And if there is, would you grant me grace to give that up to you? And if possible, would you do it with not as much pain as could be, yeah. but as much pain as is necessary? <laughs> That's the kicker. <laughs> yeah, it is. Not saying it's easy. Not saying it's easy. And know that your relationship with him is an eternal one. So even the stuff you're going through today. Mm that you're working through, it can take speed. Yeah. It's okay. He is a patient God. He is a loving God. So just know um, he has forgiven you and he will continue to forgive you as you are his. But on the flip side, if you aren't being corrected and things just seem to be perfect all the time and... Check yourself. Yeah. That's a check yourself. That's a that's a, a yellow slash orange going to red flag. There are um, questions about whether he really is yours. Um, it's not that there's anything wrong with having a good life or having the better things. That's not it. It's about your heart, and it's um, Jesus made it abundantly clear that it's easier for the, the camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for those who are abundantly comfortable to make it into heaven. Um, so just keep that in mind as you. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, without banging on any, anything contemporary here, I'll, I will underscore that and simply say that when Paul said, I consider that the, the pains of this world today are not worthy of being compared to the riches of heaven. What he's saying there is, your good life is coming. You will have that good life that you desire, that you have a desire for right now. You will have it. It is coming, but it is yet future. And you're not going to receive that until you are finally home. And that's when it kicks in. Anything that we get here is gravy, but it's not the norm. The norm here is suffering. The norm here is struggle. Norm here is refinement mm. by fire, by hammer, mm. by tongs, mm. so that the dross can be driven out of us. The gold may be revealed, because that's what you know. That's what God is worthy of. 
and his goal in this section of our lives is to drive out that sin, to drive out that impurity, mm-hmm. and to cause us to be conformed to the righteousness of Christ. And that'll be completed when we draw our last breath. And you, both of us are looking forward to that <laughs> tremendously. We don't have any death wishes, but that's the good life that we're looking forward yeah. to. I am really looking forward to kicking back in paradise. I mean, a lot. Yes. A lot, a lot. Yeah. But that's that's the timing. And I, I do myself a disservice, and I deceive myself when I start looking for that today, expecting that's going to happen today. So, you know, hopefully something there to encourage and uh, and direct. There you go. That's it for today. All right.